This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another day. We got lots to get to. In fact, so much um, that I'm probably just going to dive right in here in just a minute with an interview with uh, Gophers linebacker Mariano Sori Marin that I uh, did the other day. Great uh, great guy. Loved catching up with him. Talked about all sorts of stuff. Uh, his his love of food and his you know visiting different restaurants in the Twin Cities. Um, just how good the Gophers' defense has been this season, and some his very interesting family backstory and his Cuban heritage. So I hope you enjoy that. That'll be in just a minute. Going to also talk to Jason Gerwin from the Streamable. He's been on a couple times before, if you remember. Longtime listeners probably remember that. But uh, he's going to help break down a couple interesting things, one about NFL Sunday Ticket and the other about Bally Sports. The app comes out on Monday, the standalone app. We'll see how that goes. The parent company is in trouble, and I wanted to ask him what he made of some reporting this week that uh, you know there's some financial problems and that leagues uh, are maybe swooping in and could be running these uh, running these regional sports networks sooner than we think. So that in a little bit as well. Got a little bit of wild talk, a little bit of twins talk, but first. What did I miss? Let's quickly talk Gophers. The interesting thing there, Roycey, Patrick Roycey, long time, of course, Star Tribune columnist, legend, on Daily Delivery every Monday. He has changed his opinion of P.J. Fleck. He was a, not a Fleck fan, to put it mildly, for a long time. Had a good column, really good column, though, in today's paper on StarTribune.com about how he has come around on P.J. Fleck. So I encourage you to go read that because Patrick does not change his mind quickly or lightly. And uh, in classic Patrick fashion, it takes a little while to get to the main point. But I would say it is also well-earned. Fleck has been successful here. I think this year's team is really good. Um, we're going to find out more about him on, on Saturday, like we've talked about a few times on the show this week, opening Big Ten play at Michigan State. But, man, they have been awfully good against bad teams in non-conference play. And uh, I, I have to feel like they are one of, if not the, um, prohibitive favorites to win at least the Big Ten West. So we'll see about that, and we'll see how far Patrick is willing to take his opinion if and when that happens. Really happy right now, Mariano Sari Marin back with me on Daily Delivery. Obviously, um, Gophers stalwart. You had a great year last year. You're off to a really good start this season. Um, let, let's talk about the defense first of all. You carried a number one overall FBS ranking into Colorado. Somehow you slipped to number two. Poor, poor Gophers down to number two behind James Madison after a 49-7 win over Colorado. What you know? I think we all thought that the defense might be a strength of this team coming into this season, just based on what we saw last year but you know there's lost some some key players what what has been the key to in your mind so far to kind of keeping that momentum going from last year and, and you know creating your own identity this year as well yeah I mean I think first and foremost this is a great group of guys and when you look at the people that are in the defensive room they're guys that care for each other they want to play for each other you know they're hardworking. whether it's extra film study after just getting extra work after practice these are committed dedicated football players and when you come together with in a common cause and a common goal 
you know, great things are going to happen. And, you know, we look at the success that we had last year as a defense, and we saw all the things we did well and the things that we needed to improve at. And this year we knew what we were capable of as a unit. We have a lot of guys coming back, but we had some holes to fill. And this is a completely new defense. And even with guys returning, we had to form a new identity and um, really just shape and mold ourselves as a 2022 defense and we've done exactly that we have to continue to grow at that we just talk about being tough I think that's the one word that describes this defense and that really describes our our Minnesota football team this year is just tough and we have to continue to grow at it like I said um, we we took our experiences from last year plugged it into those new guys and we've seen that starting to take shape already this season now a lot of us in the media like to jump ahead like you guys are awesome at not doing that it's kind of it's been a zero and zero on the we're in the Michigan State season right now, right now. But the, if we're being honest, and you know, you got some teams in the rearview now. Michigan State is started the Big Ten season. That's a step up in class from probably from some of the teams you've seen so far this season. How do you? Does that change anything? Does that make you think any differently? How do you gear up for a team that you know maybe is going to give you more of a challenge than what you've seen so far? Yeah, no, it. it we know what's in front of us, and and the way we prepare and the way our mentality is, it doesn't matter who's in front of us. So. We come in here, and the way we work and the way we prepare each and every game, it shouldn't look different. You you couldn't tell who we were playing. Whether we're in the Super Bowl or a preseason scrimmage, you wouldn't know who we are playing. And uh, that's just a testament to, to our culture and our process. Um, and like I said, you know, we, we have to be ready for each week, and we treat it as a 0-0 zero zero season going into Michigan State. We know it's a Big Ten opponent. We know we're going to be on the road, but like I said, we focus on us, and it's all about us. We just have to execute our game plan, play our style of football, and things that take care of themselves. Yeah, I was just excited about the Big Ten West. You're talking about going to the Super Bowl? I'm just, I'm, I'm just comparing, I'm just comparing our process. What it, would have to happen? I'm just kidding, no, I'm just no, when we talk about our process, like I said, we do everything like it's like. It's I know what you. I know what you're no, saying. No, I know no, what you're no. saying. I'm just I, giving I'm, you a hard time. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, so you you're an Ivy League recruit, right? Right? Are you how? Where are you on the on the kind of intelligence spectrum? Are you one of the smartest guys on the team? I mean, I don't know if I look at it like that, but uh, as a Mike linebacker and leader of the defense, I do take a lot of responsibility on myself to make sure that the checks are called. Uh, Coach Rossi puts a lot of trust in me um, and the linebacker core as a whole to get things done that you know an average defense wouldn't be able to do. We, we do a lot of schematics and a lot of checks and things like that because he knows we're capable of that. And that's that player to coach, coach to player trust that he has in us, and that allows us to be successful. So in terms of being smart, I mean, I don't look at it that way. I. I, I think it's just our hard work as a linebacking core that allows us to do those types of things. When you've got options like that, when you've got, you know, when you're a great football player coming out of high school, when you've got, you know, just various different paths you can take, what was the path that brought you here? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a little bit of a weird recruiting experience coming out of high school. Sophomore year, um, I was getting looked at by a lot of the Big Ten schools, going to those camps, and then I suffered an injury, uh, broke my left collarbone. Junior year was was going to be another big year for me. Schools were anticipating that season just because of the lack of the film from sophomore year, and then I ended up breaking my right collarbone and needed surgery. Um, rehab came back, and I broke it again. So I really didn't have any film from soft from my sophomore and junior season. So there was a lot of red red flags. You know, this guy has had multiple injuries. Uh, he hasn't showed anything on tape. He has. You know, decent camp numbers, but what what can he do on the field? So, coming out of high school, or coming at that point in my high school career, is really just Ivy Leagues um, that it offered me at that point. Um, and I, you know, the the FBS or larger schools kind of slowed down. And, and Coach Fleck, 
you know, took a chance on me. They they came and watched me work out at, at my high school, Providence Catholic, um, and I came up here. They offered me, and, and I just knew it was the right fit right away just because of the people um, that makes this place so special, the people and the culture. So I committed right on the spot, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. The rest is history. The rest is history. There's some more to it. More chapters. Oh, we're still writing it. We're more, still writing more it chapters sure. to write for sure. Um, you know, outside of football, I found it very interesting. I heard, and you were showing me a little bit before before we even started recording. You you get out to a lot of restaurants in the Twin Cities. You and some some teammates. You, you're showing me an app. Sounds like it could be a good nil nil possibility if you want my 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 honest uh, my honest opinion. Oh, no, but that'd be awesome. Um, you, you've been to over a hundred restaurants in the Twin Cities. You kind of rate them, grade them on your app. How did this start with you and teammates getting out to these different places on Thursday? Kind of a team building, bonding thing, or is it just a love of food, shared love of food? How does that all how did that all start? Yeah, I think it's a combination. You know, growing up I, I was always interested in food. I always wanted to be a chef growing up, sat in the kitchen watching my mom, my grandparents cook and just really had a love for food. Um, and I think just experiencing different types of foods, different restaurants is really cool and special, especially when you're getting around family and friends and bringing people together in a meal. So when I came here, you know, my freshman year, I was like, oh, the first thing I got to do is, is find the best spots in town. And I'm going to all these spots, going to all these spots, bringing some teammates along. And I, you know, I took a step back. I'm like, wow, like I've probably been to, you know, 10, 15 spots in the first, you know, two months that I've already been here. Um, you know, I should start keeping track of these. So, uh, you know, I started making a list, and at first I was just writing them down. Um, and then I was like, there's got to be a better way to this. So, you know, I was using Yelp, and, and now I've actually transferred it all over to this app called Belly, where it's kind of like social media for food rankings. But, uh, yeah, so I just kept keeping track of all my restaurants, and, and I kind of made it a tradition that during the season, once a week, every Thursday, I was going to take some teammates and some friends out to a new spot that, we, that no, none of us had been to. And I just think it's a cool way to you know, get out and experience things in your surroundings. You know, we're in the Twin Cities metropolitan area. There's so many different types of people, so much food, so much to experience. Like, you got to go out and see it. So I get together with my teammates, and it's just a great way to bond, and it's a great way to share in a meal. And it's not the same people that I'm going out with each and every week. It's different people. And, and you know, just to share in that meal and, and have that new experience is really fun and cool. And, you know, now I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm over 120 restaurants, and there's a lot of places that I've been, and there's still many places where I want to go. Is so. there, like, one absolute favorite you have that's the top oh. of the list? Yeah, so I've, I'm, I've been asked this question many times, and it's always tough. I mean, it, it, when when evaluating a restaurant, there's a lot that goes into it. I don't I don't just look at the the, the food. You know, sure. it's it's, it's, how does, it's the experience. It's the experience for yes. sure. How does that food food make you feel? How is that atmosphere overall? So the the place I got to go is El Cubano, and that's a that's in St. Paul. And it started off as a food truck, and now they have a brick and mortar spot in St. Paul. And, and the reason I always choose that place is because obviously I have a Cuban background, and my, you know my father's from Cuba. So just to have you know that connection on that level and and to be able to share that heritage and that cuisine with with my friends is really cool and it's a little special place in my heart awesome i have to check that out. i've been to victor's plenty victor, of times yeah victor's 1959 yeah. cafe yeah that that place is another great spot another great spot for cuban but i do got to go el cubano in okay. st paul is the number one cuban spot so, a couple more minutes a couple more things i want to ask you speaking of your, your cuban heritage i mean how, how much of that did you experience growing up? I know your your dad's coming kind of from your dad's side. Your great uncle's got some pretty wild stories about the political scene there and right. stuff like that. Like, what what can you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll just start off with a little bit of what my Cuban background yeah. is and how my family exactly came to be here. Please so, do, yeah. So my grandfather and great uncle were both, uh, you know, very involved in the Cuban Revolution, helping Castro get to power and overthrow Batista at the time, who was a you know a brutal dictator over the Cuban people and Castro obviously campaigned on a 
you know, reformed government that was going to help the people. Fast forward, they help him get to power. Castro turns on his word, is more of a communist, brutal dictator. And, and, you know, my grandpa and great uncle decided that's not what they wanted for the future of Cuba, and that's not what they wanted for their family. So they actually, more so my, my great uncle, uh, kind of worked in the Bay of Pigs and worked with um, U.S. government to, you know, work on an overthrow of Castro. And in short, it, you know, it failed. And my, my great uncle was captured and executed in front of a firing squad. And my grandpa realized he needed to get out. He worked with somebody at the Cuban airport and was able to uh, escape with my my dad, my aunt, and my grandma, wow. you know, his family, back to the United States. Once they get here, uh, you know, the CIA intercepted them. was like, all right, we've got a Cuban official that just landed in the U.S. And, you know, they they were tracked or monitored for a few years just to make sure they weren't, you know, communist, you know, yeah. sleeper cell or something like that. But, you know, my family came here on in the hopes of living the American dream. And they did exactly that with hard work and, you know, just believing in, in themselves and the American dream and the opportunities that we have here. So growing up, you know, that was always a little part of my life. And I think the most that I got to experience that was traveling down to Miami every year. You know, I had a great grandma. She just passed us recently. She was 101 years old. Wow. And, uh, you know, I have a bunch of family and cousins down there. So just to go down there and and experience what it was, what it would be like to still be in Cuba. Because we've never been able to go back to Cuba just for various reasons, especially the political climate. But right. when you're down in Miami, it, it feels like it sure. feels like you're exactly there. You know, the people are speaking Spanish. You're getting the most authentic Cuban. Uh, you got the nice weather. So all that is kind of just my whole experience growing up with it. That's amazing. Let's bring this back to football for more question. I mean, like we talked about, Michigan State's an opportunity. Do you have, you know, as you think about this game, I'm sure you guys are game planning, you're doing all the film, stuff like that. Do you have one thing where you're like, if we do this, that this this will be a successful week? Yeah, I think if we just play together okay. and, and execute our game plan, everybody do their job. We talk about that, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You can have 10 guys doing your job. If there's one guy that's out of position, out of, out of his gap, there's going to be a positive play for the offense. So I just think coming together, everybody coming together for that common cause and doing their job out there and executing the game plan to the best of their ability. We'll like the result on Saturday. Mariano, appreciate it. Really enjoy getting a chance to know you better. Take care, all right? Yes, thanks for having me. Have a good day. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Let's bring back right now Jason Gerwin from The Streamable. He's been on a few times on Daily Delivery. He is my go-to Sports on TV expert, um, as it were. And there's some, there's two things that really have caught my eye lately, Jason. Actually, maybe three, if we, depending on how we bundle the uh, the stuff with Bally Sports, uh, Bally Sports and Bally Sports North here in Minnesota. But let, let's start with we're, we're in season now with, with the NFL, where we're you know a couple weeks in, and you guys, it's streamable. Ran an interesting survey. Maybe it was right around the start of the season in terms of. You know this, this this fragmenting that's been going on, or that's potential going on in terms of, you know, how, you know, if wh- what kind of streaming service if, if fans would, would subscribe to a streaming service just for Sunday ticket, you know, whether we're talking about Apple TV, Prime Video, YouTube, ESPN, like it's kind of it's kind of in play a- across the board, and it's going to cost money. But what were some of the things that you found 
you know, when we're talking about a, a pretty a pretty premier product um, in terms of who might be interested in that in terms of, you know, through a streaming service? So, you know, I think everyone's waiting to find out who's ultimately going to have an NFL Sunday ticket next year. You know, I think uh, a lot of people believe Apple will be the home of it. There's a chance that it could be Amazon as well. And I think people are excited by the fact that it will be more accessible, um, that you won't need DirecTV satellite or live in an apartment or dorm to be able to get the online package. So that in in and of itself opens it up to a much wider set of people. I think the one thing that we found that was pretty interesting in our study was what it actually means to make it more accessible, but also make it cheaper as well. And, you know, there, there are, you know, issues with whoever gets it at how low they can actually drop it based on, you know, the contract. But, you know, as of right now, about 26% of fans are willing to pay up to the $300 price point. But if they were able to drop it to 150 bucks, it would nearly double the number of fans that would sign up for NFL Sunday ticket based on the the survey we ran at the streamable. So, you know, it really comes down to like how accessible can they make it? Um, Can they drop the price? And if they can't drop the price, are there other ways that they can ultimately make it cheaper for fans, whether bundling in a free year of Apple TV plus if it goes to Apple or, you know, including a free year if you buy AirPods. Um, I think there are a number of ways that they can make it um, more accessible to, to fans. And what, what happened? I mean, why, uh, I know they're leaving direct TV. That seemed like it was a natural thing, like a major, you know, major feather for direct TV. Is that just kind of the direction we're headed now that, that there's so many more players in the game that that just didn't work out for direct TV? How, how do we get to this point where it's now, you know, up for uh, basically up for, you know, up for bid and, and whoever can win the package? Yeah. So I think it's a couple of things. I think one direct TV originally used it for satellite as a way to reduce churn, right? If it was the only place that you could get it, it was a great way to keep subscribers with the satellite service. And I think, you know, they're paying about a billion and a half a year. You know, it just never panned out in Mm. terms of it actually being a profitable, you know, addition to it. They couldn't get enough people to subscribe. And, you know, it clearly didn't stop cord cutters from, you know, dropping satellite service um, unless they were, really desperate NFL fans. And, you know, they're, they, they, they have their streaming version of it and the NFL just never gave them the rights to be able to make that available to everyone. I think if, if that happened a couple years ago, I think it might be a slightly different situation, but now you have, you know, Amazon and Apple with really deep pockets who reportedly will pay almost double what DirecTV is is currently paying um, and can make it available to everyone, whether or not you have a satellite or, you know, or in a place that can't get satellite. And that's interesting because the the, the, the exclusivity about it, you're right, was a big deal for DirecTV. Now you you open it up to everyone, and but then you also, you know, people will say they want it. I thought some of your, the findings from the, the survey were interesting. You're saying like 40% of those People that never subscribed before said they were they would definitely or would be likely to subscribe, but only like you said, twenty six percent willing to pay what it costs right now. And like you said, there's ways around that. But I think I feel like we run into that issue 
sometimes a, a kind of across the board with streaming that people think it's a good idea, but the more things you have to pay for a la carte, or you're like, I don't want to pay, I don't want to pay that much for that. Well, if that's, if that's the price or that's the value of it, that's kind of the value of it. I think we're in this territory now where people are trying to figure out what they need, what they want. And, and a lot of these things do add up when, when you're kind of debundling everything. Yeah, I think everyone had this dream around a la carte and to be able <laughs> and to be able to pick and choose exactly what they want. But at the end of the day, bundles work because they work for everyone, right? Some people want some channels, some people want other channels, and when you can bundle them together, everyone ends up everyone ends up saving. So, you know, I think like there is certainly benefit to having these more accessible, whether it's Sunday ticket or, you know, Bally sports plus, um, which we're going to get to. Uh, but at the same time, like people have to realize that when you do unbundle things, it causes the price generally of things to, to go up. Yeah. And that's a good segue into Bally sports plus that app launching on Monday and that that's the plan anyway. And, you know, in time for NBA, NHL, that's really what they're that's really what they're banking on for this fall. And we can get to some of the bigger picture questions about Bally and Diamond Sports, their kind of parent company, and how viable that's going to be long term. But short term, this is going to happen. This is going to launch. This is a twenty dollar a month product. It's a little bit of a price break if you go for a whole year. Um, I don't know exactly why you'd go for a whole year yet if you don't know if they're going to have MLB properties, but. What do you think of this idea that they're, they're going to get this off the ground and try it? How successful do you think it will be? And what do you think of just this idea of a standalone app for these kind of regional sports networks? I mean, they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. They kind of, they had to price it high enough where it wouldn't annoy cable companies that, you know, want to include it in the bundle. Um, but it couldn't be so expensive that someone who desperately wants their their games couldn't get it um i think you know how successful it will be will come down to how good they can actually make the product i actually don't think the 1999 a month will ultimately be so cost prohibitive for a fan who has cut the cord i think if you're a you know t-wolves fan or minnesota wild fan and you had lost those games from a YouTube TV or Hulu, which, you know, is now 65 bucks a month, you know, $20 a month to watch those games, which I think a lot of people end up using, were using those services, you know, is a decent alternative. I think, you know, the, my, my bigger concern with, with it is, you know, the Bally sports app, which was there, which is there, which Bally sports plus lives in, which people have been using for their TV everywhere product, you know, there, there are a lot of complaints about the user experience of it with, you know, the stability of the streams um, and, and it potentially not working in certain situations and it being available on, and on all platforms. So, you know, to me, if they can get this 1999 a month product working and it's a good experience for a user where it doesn't feel any different than when they had it as part of a cable alternatives, I think it will be successful in terms of allowing them to bridge that gap of the person who'd already cut cable and got it. I don't think someone who 
hasn't been watching games before are all of a sudden going to start spending 20 bucks a month. It's too expensive for something like that. And I also don't think someone who was illegally streaming or using an out of market package and a VPN all of a sudden is going to switch to this either. And I think that is their competitor. Their competitor is illegal options. And you know, while it's great to have a legal option out there, there are people who are, you know, willing to take the risk uh, around that and, and you know, take an alternative means to watch games. Yeah, it certainly feels to me like the, the target audience is people who have cut the cord and lost these services, right? I mean, it's, it's at least you can get these back. Maybe you're paying more than you were at the beginning to get everything that you wanted on Hulu, but at least you have that option without now having to resubscribe to something with a you know, with a two-year contract or, you know, do the do the one streaming service that, that does offer these. It, it is at least a viable option for, for those folks. You know, it opens up the door for a service like Sling TV, which is $35 a month for their orange plan and includes ESPN. And, you know, you can add additional channels on, on top of that in, in their sports pack. So like for an NHL fan, you can spend $35 on that, get ESPN and TNT, or if you're an NBA fan, get the same thing. And then you spend another $20 a month for Bally Sports Plus. You're now back at $55 for essentially a cable alternative, not too dissimilar than what you were paying before um, at those prices around Hulu and YouTube TV. Is it though enough to save Bally Sports North or save, save the parent company? However, this is going to exist in the future. We saw article in the New York Post earlier this week about the financial trouble that the parent company Diamond Sports is running into, just the difference between what they paid for this and what it is worth right now, and all sorts of questions about their solvency, talking about leagues stepping in and kind of running these properties and, and all sorts of fragmenting. What, what did you make of that report? Um, so there are reports that the leagues are looking to to buy Bally Sports RSN. Major League Baseball actually tried to buy these RSNs um, when they were up for sale um, prior to Sinclair buying them. Uh, I don't think a direct-to-consumer streaming service will ultimately save them, even if it's successful, mostly because direct-to-consumer streaming for them is a worse business than cable. They make a lot more money and will always make more money from, from the cable bundle. The only way direct-to-consumer streaming improves that for them is if they're getting net new users, right? Or saving those users who cut cable and would never come back to the bundle. Um, you know, they're, they're in a very challenging situation. They have billions of dollars in debt. You know, they're now only making hundreds of million dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in cash flow. Um, the, and then the leagues are in a very difficult position too. They're, they're very tied to Bally sports. Um, you know, the New York post report said as part of the contract, if Bally goes into bankruptcy, um, they don't have to pay. Uh, the rights fees while that. bankrupt. Yeah. So, you know, that might not be so terrible for them, but it's really bad for the leagues. Like there's part of the, part of what's happened over the last couple of years is everyone has tried to get richer, right? The leagues have gotten bigger rights fees, which have gotten more money to the teams, which have then, you know, essentially raised the price that Bally's goes and charges the cable companies, which enriches them. And then the fan is paying more and the fans like, no, I don't want to pay that. And then they cancel cable. And then you end up having the 
this death spiral where you just can't keep paying more. So if the end result is, you know, Bally goes bankrupt and the leagues end up buying this, I don't know that this ends up being a positive for for the leagues either, right? Like them owning these channels don't necessarily mean that they all of a sudden become a better business. Maybe they have more incentive to make them more accessible, whether it's MLB adding local games to MLB TV at, you know, a slightly higher price um, or NBA doing that with League Pass. But, you know, I... I think it's going to be a challenge, even if Bally's is not the owner of these channels. Come on. I was hoping that you would just say this is a great thing for the fans that they're finally going to win. That's not the case, huh? I mean, it may end up being great for for the fans in the sense that, you know, maybe these games end up being more accessible. But in order for it to be a win for the fans, the leagues have to say, hey, we're not willing. We're willing to give up some money that we were making in the past. and I'm not sure the players are going to let that happen, right? Like, you know, in any of these rev share leagues, lower media rights mean lower salary caps and less money in the players' pockets. There's a lot of, you know, second and third, you know, things that happen as a result of these TV deals. I see. It's all very complicated right now. I don't know what the golden age of being able to watch sports on TV was. It feels like maybe like seven to 10 years ago before we got so fragmented, but when everything was still kind of available. I don't I don't think we've gone in a great direction with these RSNs, but at, at the very least, this app, um, like we've talked about, does introduce it to a segment of the audience that was not willing to say, um, I lost it on Hulu, I lost it on YouTube TV. I'm just going to go back and get cable. Those people that just they that they've lost, and it's a pretty sizable audience that have just said, I'm not gonna I'm not going back to what I used to have. I'm just going to say I'm not watching these games anymore or they're going the illegal route. Like they do at least have this legal option now for however long it is with with Bally's or with with Sinclair is is a mystery but it's it's a very odd time but in the in the sh- very short term for an NBA or an NHL fan I think you at least have some net positives here right now coming up for sure and you have to be happy you're going to get fewer emails of people asking you can you watch the games right I'll never get fewer emails about that it's the most consistently asked questions the biggest Outside of any like single local team or like hot topic, like will Kirk Cousins finally produce on prime time? It will. Uh, this this will this will be a driver because people. This is this is a a consumer fan question. If they can't watch their teams, um, it, it's a big deal. Or if if this app proves to be challenging to use, I'm sure that'll be the next question. But if we have those questions, we will always ask Jason Gerwin from the Streamable. Appreciate your time today. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks very much. Talk soon. Really good perspectives from Jason Gerwin. As usual, love having him on the show. I know this is a subject near and dear to a lot of your hearts. I mean, as, as sports fans, like I talked with with Jason towards the end there, you know, this is a big deal. Like when when those when Bally Sports North came off of, I think it was Fox Sports North at the time, when it, when you could no longer get it on those new streaming services like Hulu, YouTube TV that people had signed up for and ditched cable, uh, Sling being the, another one that, that, that dropped it along the way. When you couldn't get that along the way anymore, that, that became a pretty big deal. You lost a, a large segment of audience that said, wait, I know I could go back and get these channels, um, this channel, if, if I paid more for it, if I went back to cable or satellite, but that's not what I'm in it for right now. So goodbye to these teams. Now, this app will be an interesting test to see how many more people come back in that scenario. And it'll be interesting to see just how long Bally Sports North 
remains Bally Sports North or remains in, in the control of, of the parent group Sinclair Diamond Sports because it sounds like they are in a heap of financial trouble. These just have not worked out the way they wanted them to. Part of that being, I think, mismanagement. But um, that piece of it's interesting too. Where is this headed ultimately? Who is going to control these regional sports networks and will that be good or bad for the consumer? Let's finish with the cooler. We keep moving on to other seasons. The Twins, by the way, lost again. They're so far down in my consciousness. I didn't even check on what they were doing till it was like right before bed. The game's already over. They lose 5-2. Um, you know, it's just kind of sad to watch this spiral towards the end of the year playing out the string with 13 games left after they had, you know, 5 months essentially, more than 5 months of of meaningful competitive baseball. So it, it's, it's disappointing to watch it end this way, and they are just an afterthought right now. But new beginnings, the wild start training camp today. I cannot believe that. It feels way too early for that. Sarah McClellan, a really good um, story a couple days ago, another good piece in today's paper and on starttobe.com, just looking at five things, five storylines for the wild coming into the year. The biggest one for me and I talked with Bill Guerin about this last month at the State Fair. The biggest one for me is special teams, and especially the power play. Can they score goals? Can they keep the puck out of the net in those special team situations? Power play penalty kill, especially assuming this is again a playoff team, especially once they get to the postseason, because that was a big deal a year ago, and I feel like it could be a big deal again this year because the personnel is not changing much. Can they get more out of the same players in these same roles we will find out that and a lot more exciting times the wolves have i think super Bowls have media day on monday next week i mean it is getting to be that time of year and it's uh it's fun it's busy and uh, there's going to be a lot of good teams to watch this fall and this winter that will do it for today you might have noticed we didn't talk a lick about the vikings today that will change on friday's show when ben gessling from the star tribune joins me setting up the lions game these are not your pushover lions at least not so far this year could be an interesting game to say the least ben and i will break that down and talk about more uh, of the of what to watch for on sunday thanks for joining me here today i'm michael rand back at it again tomorrow